1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 books you're supposed to read before you die, and we decide if they are worth your time. I'm Chelsea, and I am always down for a good book that's going to make me cry. I also am gearing up for a Harry Potter reread, so just <laughs> that's all me right now. Uh, and I'm Nicole. I will I will always do a Harry Potter reread, <laughs> and I love historical fiction to the point of spouting random historical facts that I don't actually know are true, but only know that I read them in a book. <laughs> Perfect. So first off, we're going to talk about what we've been reading lately. So Nicole, what have you been reading? You know, this was a quick turnaround from the last time we recorded, and so all I managed to read was the book we're going to talk about today, and I completed A Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Moss series reread because when I was sick, I started them because I I had, so I read the one that came out in the summer recently, the last one, Tower of Dawn. Uh, and then I was like, I haven't read the first ones in like two years. And but then the minute I started, I had to read them all again, but not the one I just read, but up yeah. until the like fifth one. And I, those books are so good. And I, I, I only reread them because I, I was too recently on the heels of a Harry Potter reread, you know, and to so read Potter, to read yeah. Harry Potter again. But I needed something really immersive because I was miserable and sick and stuck at home, but not so sick that I couldn't read, you know. Yeah. And man, I just love those books. And I looked up and the next one isn't coming out until fall 2018. And I was like, no. See, I'm behind. So Ugh, well, I you can stretch I it out. Can stretch it out a little bit. <laughs> Um, I am currently just started, which this is, um, I've literally listened, I'm listening to it on tape actually, and I've listened to about an hour of the eight hours of disc. Uh, discs? Well, yeah. <laughs> as if it's on discs. Yeah, as if it's on discs. It's just <laughs> sitting on my phone, but you know, same deal. Um, to, of 12 Years a Slave. Um, and it's actually, I didn't know very much going into it. I had just seen all the redos when they released the movie and it's actually an autobiography. What? So. Oh yeah. I guess I knew that from when the movie came out, but I haven't seen the movie. Yeah. And, um, so far, I don't think this is spoilers because you know, the man in the story becomes a slave. Uh, he was tricked into going into a slave state and then people stole his free man papers and now he's a slave. It's going to be a real happy novel but um, important i feel like no, that's like I think an important it is one really important yeah. and i i like the guy who's doing the narration and it's it's really good but i definitely am gonna have to slowly listen to it because i listened for that first hour all in one sitting and i was just like this is too much i need <laughs> i need well, a little heavy. levity we are recording this during the holiday time i may need to put it on hold yeah. Until Christmas just what you want at Christmas, a book that makes you sad. Well, I mean, I always I mean, you want like a book sad books. Sad, <laughs> You're just but... reading a different book about cancer or something instead. Yeah. So I just, we'll see. But I really think it's going to be good. I really like it. And I like the voice. And I, it's, um, it's a very interesting perspective. Oh, so. Have you seen the movie? I haven't. I no, want to see neither. it after I've finished reading yeah, it. Of course. So. Okay, so let's get to our book from the 1001 books that you're supposed to read before you die list. This week we read To Each His Own by Leonardo, Italian last name that I'm going to butcher, Scassia, Scassia, something like that. It was originally published in Italian in 1962 and wasn't translated into English until 1992. And it's pretty short, just like 160 pages. Um, Yeah, if we had to describe this book in one word, what would be your word? Um, my word would be circular without getting too much into the plot because we haven't gotten to the spoiler alert part. It just felt like the point at which the novel started was also kind of the point at which it ended. Like it kind of went full loop to where you thought similar events to what had taken place in the novel, which is around a murder 
could just happen again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're definitely on the same page. My one word what is inevitable inevitable um basically for those exact same reasons and so, <laughs> uh and so to give a little quick plot description a one or two sentence description uh i always we kind of talk more in the podcast and then we write down in our notes a summary but this time i wrote the summary first to keep it quick <laughs> so what i wrote down as the quick plot is there's a murder in sicily and everyone thinks they can solve it even though murders are actually inevitable in sicily yeah that is basically the gist of it. Yeah. Um, we'll probably go into spoilers here. So I know it's been a quick turnaround this episode, but I will put the time in where we stop spoiling if you want to read to each his own. Um, but this is your yeah. official warning to turn it off for a minute. Yeah. So to give yeah more plot, basically at the beginning of this book, it's set in Sicily in the 1960s mm-hmm. and in the beginning of the book, um, a man, a pharmacist in the little town, like a little village, I think, gets yeah. a letter, uh, like a letter with like words cut out of newspapers um, saying that he's going to die. And everyone is like speculating about, you know, what it could be. And it's kind of like this is a common thing to get the anonymous letter. Mm-hmm. And then the and he kind of laughs it off, you know, and then he goes, he thinks it's because um, he's a good hunter and other people are jealous of what a good hunter he is and of his like hunting dogs. Yeah. So then on the first day of the season, he refuses to be like put off by that, by the fear. And he goes hunting with his like favorite hunting partner, who's like a d- doctor or something. Professor. Yeah, a doctor. Doctor. A doctor yeah. And so they, and then they both get murdered while they're out. And then the rest of the book is this other guy, a professor, Lorana. Um, trying to like piece together the clues um, because the police, he thinks the police are at a, on a dead end with their, with their resulting. And, and he thinks he has a really big clue based off of the newsprint that the original death threat yeah. letter was Yeah, on. that it comes from a newspaper from the Vatican. And so, so it's like has a Latin word on it, you know, and like not many people in the town get that newspaper from the Vatican. Especially because it's like communist times and... Uh, well, that's just one of the parties. One right? of the that parties, guy but is a it's communist. fascist. Like, there's a lot of different parties in his town. Mostly, no one is receiving the Vatican. Papers right, like anymore. two two people, and so he like yeah. he's hunting up all these clues, and he comes up with like a theory of the crime, but he doesn't say anything to the police or anything. Yeah, and then he gets murdered, presumably yep. for what he knows. <laughs> yes, uh, and- I think you could pretty much guarantee yeah. that that's why and then um at the end of the book everyone is just sitting like it's sitting down to again discuss oh why do we think those two originals got murdered and this new guy and it kind of just like starting it over again that actually everyone in the town has like secretly been investigating yeah um but that nobody um and it was really yeah, interesting because it, out. it was like the first murder the pharmacist actually wasn't the target mm-hmm. he was just a byproduct of the uh, doctor's wife wanting to kill him off so she could marry her cousin. Right. Yeah. Who she um, grew up in the same house with as brother and sister. And then <laughs> the the doctor's wife totally played Lorana and like got him all like sexually excited to meet with her and like was like playing the victim. Like, I don't know why my... My cousin killed him and like yeah. tricked him into getting murdered. It was yeah. just a weird. And then at the end, they get the, the cousin and the wife get married, and then yeah. everyone else is, and then everyone like at the wedding is discussing like the all the chain of events that led to this and how. Yeah, and it is. ends with just like two men in a room. I think three at the very end. Yeah, are in a room like seriously saying they know what happened, but you can tell that they're nervous that if anyone finds out they know, then they're gonna they're get gonna get murdered, murdered too because so, it's so, an endless. So, 
inevitable cycle. And so I I did a little Wikipedia research about this author, and Uh he's a really famous Italian author. And all of his books are are about Sicily, and they're all kind of they're all very different apparently, but they're all kind of about um, gangster Mm -hmm. mafia culture and like and how horrible it is for Italy yeah. basically that, that that's the culture and there was a lot <laughs> that's of, part of the culture in this novel like it never explicitly said the mafia mm-hmm. but there were hints that people would have mafia ties like there'd well, be a whole yeah. passage where it'd be someone talking about I'm not a good guy but they wouldn't say mafia well it's kind of like very... even the narrator didn't want people like the which is like a third person narrator it's not a character really uh-huh. like most it kind of goes back and forth but even that was just like he doesn't want people to know that the yeah. like he's thinking about the mafia you know like it's it like on another layer of it uh and this is also like I, I also this also i read that this book is like considered like a a like key like detective novel and like the history of detective novels, you know, like a groundbreaking, oh, like an important detective okay. novel, which I would assume is why the people who wrote this list put it on there. But yeah, um, well, one thing I guess to start at the beginning, there's a quote at the very beginning of the book um, before it starts by Edgar Allan Poe, uh, which I will read right now. Uh, Let it not be supposed that I am detailing any mystery or penning any romance. Edgar Allan Poe, The Murders in the Rue Morgue. And I didn't notice that before we started reading. But when I read it at the end, I was like, oh, yeah, because this book is kind of about everything and nothing at the same time. Pretty much. And it's like, it's a detective novel, but that's not really what it's about. That's not what, yeah. (laughs) Solving the case is not the end of the, like, it, it doesn't do anything for the progression of the novel. Yeah, and, and it, it's almost it doesn't matter. Nope. People are always going to be killing each other. Like that's <laughs> pretty much. It was real happy. Yeah, yeah. I will say that the way it was written, and obviously it was a translation, but I thought the prose was like really beautiful and lyrical, and like it was sparse. But and usually I don't like novels that are really sparse, you know. But this, I thought this worked really well. So the translator did a great job, and the writer was good to begin with. It didn't read like a translated novel. Yeah. I don't think, because I think a couple of our other novels that have been translated, I could definitely tell. Because the rhythm is wrong. But the the, the rhythm in this is perfectly right. And I don't know if that's because Italian and English are similar enough or not. I have no idea. English isn't a romance language. No, true. Yeah. (laughs) So so they shouldn't be, but that's, yeah, but it works. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it sounds like this would make sense. Um, the translator. Oh, no, not the translator. That was, never mind. I was reading about the person who wrote the introduction, which leads us into the introduction. Okay, though. yeah. Did you read the introduction? I did. And I didn't mean to, but I started it without even, like, thinking about it because it was saying about how the American novelist and how there's no American novelist to compare to this guy. And I thought that that sentence was interesting. And then I was like a page and a half into it mm-hmm. before I was realized that it spoiled the whole novel. So yeah. I shouldn't have read it. Yeah. I never, well, I never read introductions for two reasons. One is that I don't like it when they give away the whole plot. Yep. And if the book was really good, I might go back and read it. Cause then I want to know the historical context, but I kind of just want to figure out as I go. I wanted to be have fresh eyes. And number two is that in high school, I was forced to read the introduction to the Scarlet Letter twice because I was such a rule follower. I think we've talked about. I think we've talked about, and it ruined introductions for me. And, and now I just like skip past them a hundred percent of the time because I just don't believe in them as like a literary a part of book reading. 
Uh, even though I think some people would think that is like sacrilege. <laughs> I just like I can't. I just think that they're they're a waste of time. I'll only read them if they're like one page long, but they're always like forty pages. <laughs> well, this one was about seven or eight, but it also. I'm really annoyed. It I read it because it spoiled the fact that. Lorana was going to die at the end. Right. Which you knew, you saw coming at a certain point in the novel. But I don't know if I would have, I knew it was coming all along. So it like kind of colored mm. how I was reading the novel yeah. and made me like it a little less. Yeah, I don't feel like I knew it was coming in the sense that I was like, oh, because of what he's doing in the book, he's probably going to get murdered too. Like, because, yeah. I, but it was more just like, oh, because of the tone of this novel, he's going to get murdered too. But not because of the specifics, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I knew it was coming because of it. I also feel like this introduction was a lot about how this novel was a mystery that wasn't really about the mystery. And it went into a lot of detail about... Um, the author's life when he was born and how his views of the mafia and all that. And so I think it it made me go into the book having a preconceived notion of what the book was going to be about. And so then I didn't get to join into the story of the book as much because every time there'd be a sentence, I'd be like, oh, that's about the mafia. Like I was overanalyzing because I'd read this introduction that was like, there's so many deep things in this novel. Yeah. And so then I was looking for them rather than just enjoying the story. Yeah. So I think that it, I think it didn't ruin the book. Like I still, I enjoyed, it was okay. I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. It was just a book. Yeah. Um, But I think I would have liked it more if I hadn't have read the introduction. Yeah, that's the weird thing about this book is that I was excited to read it because it felt felt easy to read, like more modern prose and like f- interesting. Oh, a detective novel. That's uh-huh. f- like fun and different. And um, and then I like, was reading it and it was just kind of like the whole thing was like, well, this is OK. Like I'm interested, but I'm not like I have to keep reading it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't because like, it w- wasn't really plot driven. And so you didn't really you weren't sucked into the story. But the. But then it was kind of like, I think that that's on purpose, because I think the whole tone of the novel is about, like, the inevitability of death and violence and, like, um, and, like, how we can't, it's really hard to escape. You can't escape. You're all stuck in the cycle. And so then it makes sense that the whole tone is kind of like, it's, like, very slow progression, you know? Um, I don't know. Like, it felt like, well, yeah, it's it should be like that. You know, it shouldn't be a, a jazzy murder mystery that mm-hmm. was written last year because it wouldn't fit with what he's trying to say. Yeah, I think, I think I've made it clear on previous podcasts that I am not a big fan of having to find hidden meaning in my stories. And I like them to just be <laughs> the a whole point st- of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I like them to just be a story where I get something from it and I learn something from a culture and I, engage in it and I feel better for reading it but I don't want like it when the whole thing feels like it's an allegory for how meaningless life is or for how yeah murder is and so yeah <laughs> of the kind of novels that do this I find this this one far less offensive than others that I've read <laughs> because usually I hate like with an undying passion cough great Gatsby um, this novels. is not like The Great Gatsby no, at but, all. But novels that have like hidden meaning. Oh, like I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> With like just just so much. But I feel like every book that's has hidden meaning. Well, but even like the most stereotypical 
Okay, maybe not the most stereotypical, like, chiclet okay, is that terrible compare. label. So, but... like, so, like, To Kill a Mockingbird, I feel, is a very powerful book. And has hidden meaning. No, but hang on, <laughs> hang on. Okay, go, go, go. But you get at its hidden meanings through enjoying the story. Hmm. It's not like you it's feel... It's more plot-driven. It's plot-driven okay. to get you where you need to be, to get you to understand what the story okay. is about, to get you to feel those things. Whereas... Kafka or Great the, Gatsby. Yeah, the bro- Brothers Karamazov. It's yeah. more philosophy. The hidden meeting is just is kind of thrown at you over and over again, <clears throat> and the plot isn't really what's getting you there. I guess that's yeah. the difference. Yeah, I guess I yeah I I agree that I would always choose a more choose a more plot driven mm-hmm. one, and if they this kind is I find okay, but when they veer more like into like being pretty much just philosophy like many yeah. like russian novelists that i can't stand and i've never been able to get through like the brothers cameras off for that reason i've tried twice and i've never gotten first 100 the pages i don't know we will find out sometime in the next 30 years um the but uh i hate i really hate that i hate that yeah. when it's just like oh this is just a philosophy textbook to me because there's no because the story isn't important so yeah. so i'm with you but i'm not if it's if it's a spectrum i'm more in the middle yeah and i yeah. mean again this one i did not like I was okay reading this book. I, it was, it was moderately enjoyable. I wanted to see what happened at the end, but I just felt like the meaning was the point the whole way through the plot didn't really matter. Yeah. And so I like it more when you get to the meaning through the plot. Yeah. Or when you get both. Like I, I think the best books have the plot gives you a story and you can really feel the undertones of what they're getting at. And it's like comes together in a perfect symphony. Yeah. Of, and I yeah. think like things like, to Kill a Mockingbird and like uh, Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. yeah, does that really beautifully. Like, it's dystopia. It's all about men and power and the powerlessness of sometimes being a woman and how easy it is to take that away and all that stuff and control. But it does it in a way where I got there through the plot and I really liked the plot mm-hmm. and I was engaged in the plot, but I was still getting the context from the author. Yeah. Um. So. I yeah. feel like that's more my issue. I seem to be the one that always has an issue. I like chapters and I like I did when we, we were reading this one. I was like, oh, good. This one has chapters. It Chelsea won't hate it. Chapters. <laughs> and they're short. They're like peppy. They're quick. Oh, yeah. They're real short. Yeah. I just, my brain just likes the like, okay, you can pause and then restart yeah, uh, thing I, that chapters yeah. give you. So this one did have chapters. There were 18 of them in 150 pages. Yeah, they're they short. Were real short. short. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so also something that I uh, marked about this book that would be interesting to talk about was that the original English title um, was called A Man's Blessing, a man's which blessing. I think is an interesting title for this okay. in English. And it looks hmm. like, I don't know Italian super well, but... <laughs> Because you know some, you don't know any. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, you know, know when they're cognates to Spanish. Well, and it, a lot of times, if you the flow of Italian looks like Spanish a lot. Yeah, because those so, are two both Romance languages. But it looks like the original title in Italian is to like to each his own or a rough, yeah. like uh, approximation of that. But I wonder why it's a man's blessing. Okay, so why do we think it's called to each his own? I, I mean, there, there's a it's a direct line from the book, but I can't remember what, towards the beginning. But I can't remember. I think I what, marked what it. it said. I think but, it was called "To Each His Own." Yeah, because it kind of feels like oh, it's like you know everybody. 
I think it might, was it when they were talking about, oh, we think that the murders happened because the pharmacist was having an affair. And it's like, oh, we're all actually secretly kind of investigating. But to each his own, it's his, his private business why this happened. Or it's his private business why he got the letter. But actually, we're all looking into it, you know? Yeah, I can't remember the context. Yeah, but I think that's like, what it is. I, I also felt kind of like, to each his own, it was almost like, mind your own business. Yeah, yeah, because that's going to keep you from getting killed by the mafia if you mind your yeah. own business, yeah. Like, but a man's blessing... What, in this context, a man's blessing is what? That he that he can kill and be killed? Well, I almost thought they kept referencing in this story um, a idea that um, the living, better the living than the dead or something of similar context. So like if someone, oh, you deal with the, li- you deal with the living was basically the idea. It had a different world than deal. But, um, and how... In most places, that means, like, you, if someone murders someone, you're going to um, have consequences for the person who is still living. Yeah, for the murderer. For the murderer. Um, But in Italian, or in Italy culture, Italian culture back then, it meant something different. And it almost meant, like... You ignore it unless it's your family. Like, right, yeah. Don't, don't get involved. So yeah. unless the living your, is living, and so they won, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Unless it's your mafia family, you just let them live. Yeah. And so I, I feel like to each his own was also kind of like that. Like, unless it's you or your personal group you're prescribed to, your mob, like, meh. Let them have their own sins. Let them have their own things. Just meh. Yeah. Yeah. So a man's yeah. blessing, though, is a really yeah. That I'm just like that's that's like a title to a completely different book. <laughs> I don't like that doesn't go with this book. Like if I had picked up a this book and it was called a man's blessing, I'd be confused. Yeah, for sure. So I am good confused. thing they changed it in the in the version that we bought <laughs> to back to the original title. Yeah. Um, there's a few quotes that I really liked. Um, one, uh, I think it's Lorana speaking and or talking to himself, and he says, um. It was a life he found increasingly onerous from one year to the next, for in passing, in passing, the years leave their weight behind them. Because yeah. he's talking about how he's just kind of like, always oh, just lived with his mother, and he never got married, and he's always been teaching at the same school for years and years. And I just thought that, I don't know, I just like the way that's worded a lot. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, more towards the end of the book, when they're talking more explicitly about the various yeah. murders, um, they... They're talking, kind of talking about the Sicilian culture um, at play in this obscure pride where the centuries of contempt that an oppressed people and eternally vanquished people had heaped on the law and all those who were its instruments. A conviction still unquenched held that the highest right and truest justice, if one really cares about it, if one is not prepared to entrust its ex- execution to fate or to God, only comes from the barrels of a gun. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I, 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 that's like the thesis of this book <laughs> yeah well i i had two quotes too that i really liked while we're on quote mad and one was um in a word don luigi who's a character bred in the ways of mistrust suspicion and malice was prepared to attribute to each man as much spitefulness as his own mind secretly distilled oh, yeah, and it that's just good. felt like as you were reading the novel uh the the points that other people would make were rough attributions of their character. Like, the people who were terrible people in the novel were the ones who were like, he's awful. And the people who seemed as though they were maybe not 
quite as bad were the ones who were thinking, oh, it could have been an accident or it could have been this. Or... So it was really interesting. It was almost like you can only attribute to others what you yourself are capable of. Yeah. Um, which good. is an interesting idea. And then I thought this one was really cool just thinking about detectives and solving crimes and solving things and how much you really need to know. It's um, a waste of time to go looking for a needle in a haystack when you know it is a needle without an eye, a needle through which you cannot thread away into the next stage of the investigation. And it's almost, I think it applies to other things too. Why do you need to know something if you can't do something with it? Yeah. And so... I, oh, we're like, we're, people are like compelled though to want to yeah. know why. Yeah. And not just yeah. with crimes, just in general. In general, yeah. Why do you need to know something if it's not, if you're not going to be able to do anything with it? What is it worth to you? A needle yeah. without an eye is worth nothing. Yeah. But that's like, this. that's what I'm saying. Like, that is such a beautiful turn of phrase. Like, this book is beautifully written. It's written so well. Even if I didn't find it fascinating, <laughs> you know, it's it's like the language in it, it's like, the metaphors are really good and they're succinct. I would read another book by him. Yeah. Yeah. I'd read I probably wouldn't love it, but I would read another book by yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if someone was really into like gangster stuff, this would be a cool thing that would be more authentic than many other things that you yeah. might come across, you know? Um, Can we talk for a second too about how they, the widow of the um, doctor, the doctor. She has a name. Neither of us. All the names are Italian and really hard to and pronounce. All, all many of them start with R's, which I found yeah frustrating at times. Yeah, because uh, they all were like R O names. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but again, just I think I mean I know this is going to be a trend in our books we're going to read because a lot of them are historical and they're older. But do we just have to sexualize every? I know. Woman in all these novels. And the the pharmacist, the one who was murdered kind of as a byproduct, his wife was ugly. So, like, immediately the People idea like, was that he was cheating on her because she was ugly. And then immediately the other widow, the one who ends up being a terrible human being, is super, like, sexualized. Yeah, and, like, who's, who's going to get in her bed? And she's bedworthy. And, like, now that she's single and she's, like, been a widow for, like, a week. Of course, later you find out that she helped with the murder of her husband. Yeah, but you don't know person. that at first. And I just... Yeah, I definitely, in this book, I, because that we're reading, you know, like, I think the fourth edition of this list, which they took out a lot of European books to make it more international, which is great. It's more diverse. But I still, it's just like, oh, there's too many books on this list by men. I'm so sick of reading about how men write about women. Yeah. Uh, It's, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, Pavel's Letters was by a woman. Yeah. And the Turkish one. uh, And that's it. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah. I just, and I just, I'm not, I'm not big on, and I don't know if it's that it was, because I don't think it was all men of these times. Like, I don't no. think all men yeah. are people who over-sexualize women. But what is it about stories that gets them published that has this over-sexualized, over-simplified version of a woman in it? And so it's very, very interesting to me that yeah. these are the stories that get published. Because I think you can be a man and write women well, and you can be a woman and write men well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I kind of think it's because male authors have male editors, have male-led publishing companies, have male mm-hmm. publicists. So, and then and then with the assumption that, uh, oh, all people think like us, and so we're gonna, this is fine. Here we go. We're going to yeah. publish it. And then I think women – 
um, at least to some degree, are sort of socialized to just be okay with it. And so then because of the patriarchy, we will read it anyways, you know? And so, and even even if it turned out statistically that women buy more books than men, which I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, um, that it would like, it could still happen, you know? And I, and I'm sure, I'm sure like there's more women in publishing now than there was when this came out. Right. Mm -hmm. But I bet it's not the majority, you know? Well, and it's, it's interesting. It's just like, Last week when we were reading or talking about the novel and how it really misrepresented people with disabilities, mm-hmm. um, but that it didn't need to be in there. A lot of times in this novel, I was like, that did not need to be in there. That served no purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that that's what's so jarring to me because I don't mind reading sexism or racism or ableism if it's for a purpose. Like if it's pointing out the wrong of that, right. I think that in used correctly in novels as a way to educate someone on how wrong that is. Right. But when it just kind of sneaks in because it's something you as the author aren't even aware that you have, that's when it's like really jarring and makes me not like the book. And so that's why it's interesting because so many of these novels have it because it wasn't even something that got caught. Right. Well, if you think of this came out in 1962, that's like before the sexual revolution, Mm -hmm. before birth control, before women went to work, before, you know, when women in the United States, women couldn't get a credit card without their husband's name until 1970. Yeah. So it's, it's like kind of right on the edge of a lot of change. It came out right before a lot of change happened. And I don't think that change came to Italy as fast as it came to the United States. And it's really interesting too, because I think because I'm a white woman, Mm -hmm. I haven't really read a lot of novels where I've had to notice this before other than text for school. But then that was always different. And so it makes me realize how hard it must not, not realize but it makes me aware of mm-hmm. how much harder it must be to be a person of color or a person right. who has something that is underrepresented in novels or always represented badly because yeah. I'm just reading these novels and I'm annoyed and right and it's such a small percentage of what you read and yeah and yeah that's like yeah our our privilege and stuff but, but then you, it's, it's a like large if it was all the time most people oh. read you know what I mean right and so that's so interesting I yeah that would be so just like drain I just, I just feel it would make you not want to read or not want to consume mm-hmm. whatever form of media it was or not right? relate to it as well yeah because you never pulls see yourself me out of relating to things yeah yeah I there was a book that I read once a sci-fi book I think it was like the foundation series I'm gonna say By Isaac Asimov. yeah and I read the first one and it was like you know super famous right and I read it and then the in the first book and the plot was interesting but there wasn't a single woman character and it's set in the future and so a lot of times sci-fi is the most progressive right because in the future we're going to have equal rights between men and women but in this book there is it's set way in the future and there's not a single woman character and I couldn't read the rest of the books because it was so offensive and I was just like you didn't even pause to consider when you were writing this if what the future was you just assume mm-hmm. that all of our gender norms all of our like inequalities we're gonna we're gonna take with us yeah. um which is that's like i think that's just like that author's privilege showing for sure that they oh things are fine for me i don't yeah, have to consider how it is for yeah. other people yeah and then so, i, then I, I like ugh, never again i didn't pick up anything else by him yeah so i don't know it's really interesting i think that's one thing that this podcast and these books are making me think about more is mm-hmm. how underrepresented women and People of color, people of and color and people with different sexual people, identities yeah, and, and people with disabilities. With disabilities <laughs> yeah. And all that are in literature um, and have been all time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so I think that that's, that is something that's interesting. And then it's across 
different countries too. Right. This is an Italian author. We've read a Turkish author. We've read. Yeah. And so I think that that will be, um, yeah, really good for. Yeah, I think us over the years. Yeah, I think if I was putting together a list like this, a to read before you die list, I feel like one of my considering like factors for what would get a book on the list would be that it was progressive and ahead of its time right mm-hmm. that it like it challenged society's dominating ideas in a way that uh, changed culture you know mm-hmm. and these type of things don't it's not ha- that's not happening and so yeah. um but on my imaginary list to read before you die I feel like those kind of books that would be, would be on the, the ones that would be on the list well, but not the things that are just like the best representations of their genre because I wonder if that's not enough to the stand list, the test of time though, too because he was ahead of his time in criticizing the mafia, even if he was yeah, a different handed. layer, right? But it's just it's not ahead of its time in all areas. So I guess I mean, I don't know. Every time we start talking, I'm like, do I want this on the list or not? Every single I know, and and so some usually we talk about it, and and then afterwards we're like, wow, I liked the book more because we had that mm-hmm. conversation. Occasionally it's that oh, I liked it less the more we talked about it, but usually just. You can get you can dig into anything. There's yeah. also I was gonna mention a lot in this book about Italian politics and mm-hmm. democratic socialists and communists and fascism and mu- like the aftermath of Mussolini yeah, and, and which Italy, is, which is like that's kind of a blank in my mind historically what happened after World War II in Italy. Um, <laughs> I definitely was reading it and not fully grasping. A right. Lot of that. So I'm sure there is. I'm sure that part was probably kind of ahead of its time too because it seemed like it was handled delicately and I think it was kind of. There was a lot of parts where it was like people were talking about, well, like this person, even though he's a leader in the Democratic Socialist Party, yeah. he's actually a fascist. And this is why. And and this person says they're a communist, but everyone is secretly a fascist in real, you know, because they did this one thing or yeah. um, or like my first name is, is Benito. And so and I was born the same year as Mussolini. Yeah. And, and it's just like a lot of obviously intentional social commentary that just pff, right over my head. Nothing. Yeah. I got nothing. And there was a. Yeah, a decent amount of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think we could decide whether it belongs oh, on this. Oh, I'm not sure. And I still have not made up my mind. And I... Well, you were saying yeah. that that it was... It's said that it's important in the detective genre. And yeah. I wish I read more detective novels so I, I could really know if it was. Because I have no idea. I know. The only ones I've ever read are like Agatha Christie. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I don't even do that. Yeah. Um, well, so let's think about the, the various factors that we have put books on the list before. Okay. We put them on the list if the, we feel like they were foundational, that other novels built on them, you know, like like For Whom the Bell Tolls, as an anti-war really novel. with this one because we right. don't read that genre. Right. We've put them on the list because they um, are groundbreaking in their feet mm-hmm. and they're then pr- like progressive, like we were just talking about. We put them on the list just because they're f- interesting and fun to read because you can learn something from them it, or because they're really well written, you know. But in general, in my mind, the epitome of if I was going to tell someone you have to read this book before you you die is that this book is like important for you to be like a whole educated human being you know so <laughs> so do you think it should be on the list chelsea we have to do our one two three okay at the same time. On, okay i, I gotta decide on my answer uh, have you made one i, uh, made one. I totally, i'm totally drawing a blank <laughs> this has never happened before i'm usually really sure before we start talking okay hang on i'm gonna say Here's why I'm unclear, and then we'll do our one, two, three. Okay, okay. Because I think that the language, I think it's clearly well-written. I think it was well thought out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think even though I don't like this genre of books, I didn't hate this one, which tells me that it's done well. Right. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. 
And my problems with representation of women aside, I also feel like that's going to just happen in these novels. So it's a symptom of the times. It might be something we have to ignore, even though I hate that a little bit. So <laughs> those would be reasons I would put it on the list. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I didn't get the social commentary. I don't think the social commentary was... It's not something that came across time. So that's another thing that Ooh, I think needs yeah. to be a part of our decision. Like, Still relevant. Is it something yeah. that has relevancy um, even not in the time that it was written? So is it clear that it's um, relevant now? And because this danced around the mafia so much and it wasn't really naming kind of what was going yeah. on and it was so into politics but it didn't really go deep into them, I just don't think that that part of it was sustainable. Oh, see, you're convincing me back and forth both directions. See, and that's why I'm stuck. <laughs> so. Okay, we're just, we're going to, we're going to do the countdown and we're going to decide. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. And then we'll justify. Okay. One, two, three. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that was a noise. I don't know. Chelsea, <laughs> we did the countdown. <laughs> but I said, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which is not an answer. You have to decide. Well, you think about it, and I'll talk about... So I said yes pretty much for the reasons you said. Because A, I think it's beautifully written. And B, I think that like the tone and the point of the book... I got it. To me, about like death and the mafia and the inevitability of like being in this cycle of violence, I think that's a good message um, that's worth talking about. Um we didn't talk about that much on the podcast, but I think that's actually the most important thing in it mm-hmm. that the about how we can be stuck in a cycle a cycle of violence as a society and it just builds and builds on itself. Yeah, we didn't even get there. Um, which, Thirty-seven which, minutes and we didn't. Talk about <laughs> which that. I think is the most important point. I'm sorry I didn't bring it up until now, but for me that gets it on the list because I think that that stands the t- that thought stands the test of time and would be relevant in any country or culture that you'd want to have that that conversation. And I don't know if this book would necessarily jump your jumping off point, but it could be. Um, and I and and because it's so, I think it's well written and and thought out, and it makes a big point in a succinct amount of pages. So that's why I said yes. All right, your time's up. Okay, I'm gonna go with you and say yes with a question mark, but obviously it's going in our list as yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, with the caveat that. <laughs> Long I want, pause. I hope there's a book on the list that has those same kind of conversations, but has a relevancy that makes it so that anybody at any time can read it and understand all those things without having to search for them. Yeah. Um, That's fair. And I bet there probably is. And if there is, I'm going to be like, no, this one doesn't belong on the list. <laughs> yeah. For, um, retroactively. I mean, 457 from now, I'm not going to remember this one. I'm gonna well, we'll have it written down here in our notebook. So. <laughs> uh, but so, yes, with a caveat. Because I think that that is a solid point that the cycle of violence and um, some of those quotes about, like, threading the needle without an eye and all that stuff mm-hmm. is very, very important, relevant, and... Revelant? Relevant. <laughs> Um, and also, I think the idea of the circular circularness and the inevitability is in, is important. But yeah. I think there's probably a book that does it better. Yeah. I also liked it. I also liked because I felt like the structure of the book mirrored the message, which um, sometimes I find that obnoxious in books because it's, it's like too overdone. Like the, uh-huh. author, the author like started out with the idea of the structure and then came up with the idea. But in this case, I think it's cohesive that this the way the, the structure of the book propels the uh, tone forward uh, and I like it that's where my great Gatsby issue is but yeah, yeah it's alright 
<laughs> you mentioned Great Gatsby on, on your podcast, another book. That's it. That's the death knell. You didn't like it. <laughs> no, when I say Great Gatsby, it's like, meh. Which I'm sure every time I say I hate it, someone who's listening is just Yeah, because so it's a great, I love it. Don't let it turn you off from the podcast. I think it's great. When we get to it on the list, I will enjoy rereading it. Um, okay, so that's our discussion of to each his own. Yeah. Um, now we thought for our extra segment today, this, I'll explain it because this was my idea. I thought I was, this week I was thinking about, um, cause we're planning a trip to New York City and last, and we asked you guys before, like what, what are books we should read, you know, like that are set in New York City that would be fun to read before or during that trip. And, uh, we, and I was like, oh, like what are other th- trips that I've gone on or places that I've intentionally included in a trip or been to because they fit into a mm-hmm. because of a novel that I read and I have a couple examples um one is that like when I went to Atlanta in 2009 I went to the Gone with the Wind Museum which is a, a like was a house that Margaret Mitchell lived in when she was writing and they have it like fixed up like this is her writing desk and then they have stuff from the movie props and things and um so that was like that was my first I feel like the first thing I ever intentionally like oh I have I could choose to do anything while I'm on this trip but I'm gonna do this this really bookish nerdy thing um which Gone with the Wind is on the list so I'm really excited for you to get to read it even though now I think I might find it more problematic than when I read it in high school but (laughs) and then the other one is that when um we went on the trip to the UK two years ago and um we saw like we went to Westminster Abbey and we we not Westminster Abbey I'm, I'm thinking of the Tower of London and we saw like the uh, graves were like the various wives of Henry VIII were beheaded yeah. and stuff and I read all those Philippa Gregory books that are her like Tudor novels and there's one about every wife of Henry VIII and then, and then like also before that like in the War of the Roses all from yeah. different women's perspective and they're great like great historical fiction uh, and then but the one that really got me is that we went to some other random castle in England and it was like private property and we toured and people still live there and uh, they the last wife of Henry VIII is buried there. Oh, and it was yeah, just like I a random, and it, was, and it was like, oh, this is the only private property in England that has a queen buried on it. And so I was like, bye, but we saw four out of the seven wives or eight wives. And I was like, had a nerdy historical fiction moment. <laughs> Do you have any uh, things you've done like that? Mine I also share with Nicole, but we decided that I could share it. Um, <laughs> is that on the same UK trip, we did a lot of Harry Potter sightseeing. Um, so we, of course, went to King's Cross Station. We, um, went to Westminster Abbey where, not Westminster. You said Westminster, so now I'm thinking, that's right. No, we went to a different cathedral that was, like, in, um, a different region. Yeah. That part of the movie was filmed in. Yeah, and we brought our scarves across the ocean to get to wear them, take photos. Um, and also, we didn't go to a specific place on this trip, but we did a lot of driving through the countryside of um england and scotland and the whole time all i was thinking about was harry potter or (laughs) the outlander novels one Uh of the outlander novels for sure back and forth because i could at one point i remember we were driving and thank goodness i wasn't driving at this time because it's just staring at the window and i was just thinking this is what they would have seen on the train That's amazing. When they were on the Hogwarts Express is what they were singing. (laughs) Um, And then when we were driving through Scotland, I was like, maybe Claire and Jamie were on these. Yeah. I was thinking, maybe Jamie will come over the hills right now. (laughs) Yeah. What if I can, is there, maybe I can travel back in time. Like, that was definitely And I'm really excited to, um, when we go to New York, just, like, look at some of the old buildings in Brooklyn and think, oh, Trico's in Brooklyn. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, the other cool thing we do in the UK is we went to that coffee shop in uh, oh, Edinburgh yeah. that she wrote the books in that's like a shrine now in the bathroom everyone the writes on their walls. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. We did that, that as was... well. It was basically a Harry Potter trip, which... A pilgrimage of sorts. <laughs> yeah. It was very important to all of us. Yeah. Also, <laughs> when we're in New York, this isn't really a book, but more of a movie, but I also want to find the statue of Balto in Central Park. <laughs> oh, thank goodness, because it's on my list of things to Yeah, do. I really want to do that, because uh, just that. for childhood, you know? <laughs> All right, should we draw our book for next time? Yes, we should. All right, what's the name of the book? The next book is called Hadrian the Seventh. Hadrian the Seventh. What do you think that could be about? I don't know, but the seventh makes it sound boring. Well, Hadrian makes me think of Hadrian's Wall, which we also saw when we went to the UK after Maybe Meandering Drive. Maybe it can be based off a book now. We could say, oh, yeah, we saw that because we read this book. Yeah, then we'll be like, oh, yes, we, pre- we preemptively so, went to Hadrian's yeah. Wall. Um, but that's, and the seventh is like, that's like a king or, a, you know, or like a pope uh, or pope something. Or uh, like someone deep in line of being like a duke. Like Yeah, yeah, the, the seventh, seventh duke of blah, blah, blah. Um, it definitely sounds... I like how we immediately, because of the word Hadrian, assumed that it's, like, British or European. Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess it could be Roman. <laughs> like, it could be, like, Italian. Yeah. Like, if that's really an Italian name. We shall Well, we'll see. see. So, we'll be there next time reading this novel, however long or good or bad it is. Yeah, and we are excited yeah. to share it with you, and we hope... That you will talk to us on some of our social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. At 1001BooksPod. And you can email us at 1001BooksPodcast. At gmail.com. And also, it would really help us out if you would rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play Music, or SoundCloud, where you can find our podcast. Yes, and this is, um, we are recording these obviously a ways in advance still, but... We crossed a little mini milestone. I don't want to say how many because I just don't want to jinx it. Of people listening, and we were really excited. Very excited you're out there. So we will see you next week. Happy reading.